Hello, hello. Welcome back to Irrepressible. I am Erica Ashley. Welcome to the season one finale of Irrepressible. I cannot believe that it's been almost a year and we're 45 episodes in, not including the mini episodes, and we're here to the season one finale. Season two is around the corner. Don't worry, we won't be gone for long. We already have some really awesome guests lined up and things coming, and I'm really excited to bring season two to everyone. Um, But today, I'm really excited to close out season one with our guest, Elsa Elbert. Elsa is the CEO and founder of Composed Living, and I thought, what a better way to end season one than really thinking about things that we can approve upon within our lives and home organization and all of that. She has been featured in HGTV, BuzzFeed, Mind Body Green, Travel and Leisure, Reader's Digest, you name it. She's been in there. She has a really awesome story to how she created Composed Living, the pillars, their values, everything about them I love. Um, And she gets into that in this episode I love the tips and tricks and tools that she shares about organizing. We touched on home organization and do's and don'ts and what's effective and what's not. We talked about the mental health benefits of living in an organized space. Um, Her point of view on that is really interesting and I found it to be completely accurate for the way that I live my life and how I like to have things organized. We talked about how having an organized home can lead to more efficiency in your life and why that benefits you overall. We talked about sustainability. I think there's so much uh, to be said about sustainable letting go of clutter um, so that everything doesn't just end up in a landfill and that things that can be reused and reloved do get reused and reloved. And that's a big core value for her within Composed Living. Um, we also talked about where to begin. She gives a lot of tools for you to break down. How do I start organizing my home? How can I let go of things? There's resources throughout their website, which I have linked in the show notes, places to donate. Um, there's a 30 days to declutter your home PDF. And I just find her to be really meticulous in wanting to provide better living for everyone, for her clients, for all of you with the information that she shared with me. And after we were done recording, her and I were talking and she mentioned what I'm about to tell you. And I thought it was really important to include. She touches on some of these in the conversation that you'll hear, but I wanted to kind of group this together as a whole because I thought it was um, just kind of a full circle situation. So she says that when it comes to decluttering and organizing, there's really five components. There's the physical act of decluttering and organizing, you know, doing it, the time it takes, the energy it takes. There's the emotional side to it, whether you have overwhelmment from it, whether you have attachment to certain things and you don't know what to do about them, whether it is something inherited or a family heirloom or how do you manage when you just have too much of it. There's the energetic component of it, which is like the energy of the space. How does the space make you feel? And whether you believe in like energy or not, I guarantee there's been times in your life where you walk into a 
a restaurant, a new city somewhere, and you just feel different because you're really tapping into the energy of it. And she talks about why that's so important, especially in your home space. We talked about the mental aspect of it, which is like, if you're living in clutter, it's really going to affect your levels of anxiety, how you can calm down, whether you feel chaotic all the time. And then the fifth one that I thought was really important was the sustainability aspect of it. What is happening to everything that you're getting rid of? And she also talks about the importance of organizing and decluttering like your brain, your calendar, all of these things that sometimes we overlook because we're like, oh, I need to just clean the closet. It's really more than that. And she gets into that in this episode. And so I'm so excited to have her on and to have shared this conversation with me and with you. And like I said, I'm so excited for season two. I'll be back sooner than you know. And enjoy, enjoy this episode. So here is Elsa. Before we jump into like organizing and and tips and tools and all of that, I would love to hear your journey into creating composed living, what you were doing before then, and what made you want to start this business? Uh, great. So <laughs> such a long story. Such a long- <laughs> I guess it probably always is for someone who's like launched their own company. Always. I actually, I started my career working in healthcare. Okay. Um, I loved just being able to help people, especially, you know, when they're like at their most vulnerable or maybe most overwhelmed. And I just have a natural penchant for like paperwork and systems and organizing things. And so I started out as like basically a receptionist and then became um, an office administrator. And I stayed in healthcare for probably like 15 years, um, just slowly working my way up until I was leading like really large teams that were handling operations and customer service. Um, And so the underlying theme was always like, I really wanted to help people. That's where I'm most passionate, but then also combining that with like, how do we create the most efficient systems for like checking in a patient or making Mm -hmm. sure that they don't miss their appointment or billing, like just all of these things. Uh, And it kind of seemed like the perfect fit for me. And then I went back to school. I got a master's in organizational leadership uh, because I also realized how much I loved being able to help other people on their journey of like finding what is your biggest strength, like what's maybe your weakness, what's a really fun, interesting career path for the people on my team to move forward. Um, And I just love those moments of like coaching people younger than me on finding something that they were passionate about that they were also really talented um, at doing. And so that became my area of focus. I went through a couple other industries after leaving the healthcare industry, uh, but always doing the same thing. And then for the first time in my career, I landed at a place that I just really didn't enjoy working. Um, I loved what I was doing personally, and I loved my team of people. They were really extraordinary, but I didn't have good leadership coming from our CEO. And I just kind of came home every day, like feeling pretty miserable. And then I woke up one day and realized like what I'm telling my team to do is the exact opposite of what I'm doing for my own life. Like Mm -hmm. I'm coming to work every day and feeling so anxious and so stressed out. Um, And like, I didn't want to go to work ever, like other than to see my team or to like be a good role model for them. Um, And meanwhile, I was having all of these coaching conversations with them that were like, follow your passion and like, 
if you're not doing something that you're excited about, let's change it. Let's find something different for you to do. Um, or like, let's get you training to do something different. So it was always like other people deserve to be happy and fulfilled in their work. But for some reason, I wasn't finding mm -hmm. the same satisfaction for myself. Um, and I had always loved organizing. I love interior design. I'm like the person who would go to like every open house on Sundays just to like same. see what other people are doing. <laughs> you know, I want to like open all the cabinets. So like I get so much inspiration from that. And so I was talking to my husband and I was like, oh, how cool would it be if I could just like do that for a living? And then slowly it was like, oh, wait, but I can do that for a living. And then it was like, well, okay, what would it take to actually get there? And so then my like hyper-organized brain kicked in and was like, let's make a list. We need a business name. We need a website. We need a social media. Like, how do I set up a company? So I was just sat with my computer and was like, let's just do all of these things one step at a time and see what happens. And so I did, I just slowly started checking my way through that list until one day I woke up and like, I had a business. Uh, and it was, you know, the process of doing it was like so fun and so exhilarating, but then I got kind of nervous uh, about the thought of losing, you know, a guaranteed paycheck and health benefits and all of those things. And so I stayed working um, for two years while getting Compose Living up and running. And that was really challenging. Um, I think I probably could have like severed that tie at least a year sooner, but it's nerve wracking, you know, like if you have bills to pay and all of these things, like you don't want to just start a new business and you're not quite sure if it's going to work. But at some point, I think you just have to trust yourself and trust in the universe that things will sort out however they're supposed to. Uh, and so then I finally did. And now here we are. Yeah. So I love five years ago. <laughs> I feel like that happened relatively quickly for you. I, I think what you mentioned about people, I think what holds a lot of people back from starting their own business is that fear of like, can I succeed at this? Can I do this by myself? And so I think you having that realization, but still moving forward with it, it's obviously proved beneficial for you and it's working. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of times in life, like with the big decisions like that, I just look at it as like, what's the worst that's going to happen. Mm. And in this case, it was like the worst thing that would happen is I try to start a business and it's not successful. And I was like, okay, well then we just pick up the pieces and move on. Like it's, it doesn't need to be this big permanent thing. Uh, and that hasn't happened yet. Thank goodness. Uh, but you know, I also would have been okay if it did. Mm -hmm. And so just, I think when you come to that place where it's like any big decision, I guess that's kind of how I always treat them as like, well, if I'm still okay with the worst possible outcome, then what's the big deal? Um, it makes it a little bit easier to wrap your head around the risk. <laughs> I love that because it's almost at that point you have nothing to lose because yeah, you're prepared. Like why wouldn't you do yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So. so I'm really curious when you have a client now, one, what do they mostly come for you, come to you for? And two, like, what does that look like? And I'm sure everybody is different, but like, do you have a structure of how you help somebody organize their life? Yeah, always. Um, I think our clients are kind of a mixed bag of like some people are very hands off and they really just want um, to achieve a certain aesthetic look and feel to a space. 
So for those clients there, it's more about, um, like reducing the visual clutter and mm-hmm. creating containment for spaces. So let's say they have kids and their toys are in the living room, but they want their media center to just look like really beautiful and minimal. Um, that's where we, you know, would like source the most beautiful baskets or whatever is going to go into that space to contain some of those things and also create more of a system so that like kids know, okay, this basket is all stuffed animals. This one's all Legos, that kind of thing. Um, so that's kind of one side of it. Then the other half are the clients who are my personal fave. I mean, I love all of them, but like, this is really my area of expertise are the ones who want to become more conscious about how they consume things. Um, and they actually want to feel a difference in their lives. So maybe they're feeling very emotionally overwhelmed um, or something life-changing has happened, whether it's they had a child or they went through a divorce, they lost a parent, they inherited a bunch of things. Uh, Maybe they had to downsize their home. Something usually sparks a feeling of overwhelm and that's what causes them to reach out. Um, and so for those people, it's the same. It's always the same with organizing. Like you're going to start by eliminating the things that you don't need to be in your space and then coming up with the best way to use that space to contain the things that remain. And that's universal for a garage or a pantry or a kid's room. Uh, the steps are always the same, but I love the emotional aspect of, uh, like realizing the mental health benefits, I guess, that come from no longer having an attachment to your belongings and like just being more aware of what you buy and why you buy things and why you keep things. How do you help someone if they have an emotional attachment to things and they don't know how to let go of it? So we talk a lot about people's values, like what they want their life to feel like. Um, Mm -hmm. To me, it's the same, right? Your home is also your life. Like those are, (laughs) it's interchangeable. So however you want your life to feel is probably also how you want your home to feel. Um, And that's, I think, where the disconnect comes in sometimes is that um, your home or your life, like something has become too chaotic in that space and it's not supporting you. So when you fine tune, like, what are the actual values that you're striving for? How do you want to feel? How do you want your space to feel? It becomes very apparent if someone's like, I cannot let go of this can, then it's like, well, how is this can supporting you and your vision of, you know, living in like a completely minimalist environment or like Mm -hmm. achieving peace or whatever the thing was that they valued the most. Um, And so you can kind of start to see them questioning things in a different way where it's like, oh, you're right. Like does owning this thing support me in like the life that I'm trying to set up. And so they may not even be ready to like fully say, no, I don't want that right now. Mm -hmm. So we're big fans of like starting a maybe pile. Like let's, you know, it's either a hard yes or a hard no right off the bat. But for a lot of times there'll be like, oh, I don't know, like I need to think about it more. And then we just set those things aside and kind of tuck them out of the way um, and see how they feel not seeing those things all the time. Um, And then we come back to it, you know, whether it's a month later or six months later and be like, you know, you haven't used this in six months. Do you still feel like it's that important to you? Or did you feel better not having this thing around? Mm -hmm. Almost always they feel better not having it around and then they're ready to let go of it. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think that there's maybe 
I don't know about physical, but definitely emotional ramifications for having clutter consistently in your life. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, and I wish that there was more like scientific research done around this, but I can tell you from like my own personal experiences and then just the years of working with clients, there is such a direct correlation between feeling emotionally overwhelmed or anxious and being in a space that's not supporting you to feel calm. So if you walk into anything, it could be a department store where there's just crazy stuff everywhere and so many decorations, and you'll notice like your heart starts to beat a little faster. Uh, you start having a physical response to the space around you versus when you walk into like a beautifully designed hotel where everything is like really minimal, like maybe the only pop of color is like a beautiful piece of artwork or a huge bouquet of flowers, you feel instantly calm and like you're drawn to that space. You want to sit and relax. You want to, you know, maybe like sit and have a coffee or a cocktail with a friend and just like soak up that environment. Mm -hmm. I think it's the same too. Like when you go outside, if you're just sitting at the beach, there's not a lot to distract your attention. So you feel this you know, sensation of peacefulness um, that so many people I think don't experience when they come into their homes, uh, which is so sad because that's the one space that should be like really supportive of you and how you want to feel. Um, and then you'll notice too, like when uh, it goes both ways. So if you're feeling physically overwhelmed or anxious and you start to organize a space in your house, even if it's just like a medicine cabinet or like a really small area, you feel more relaxed. Um, and then the opposite of, of that is also true. Like if your home is very overrun with clutter and you start to like, it doesn't really matter what sparks it, I guess is my point. Like you can start organizing because you're feeling emotionally overwhelmed or you can start organizing because you're not happy with the way your house is looking. But either way, like one is going to impact the other. Yeah. Which I guess is like probably why we see so many people after really big life-changing events because they're like, this is a new emotion and I need mm. to like get a new handle on things. That makes so much sense. I love getting rid of things. Oh, yeah. If my environment <laughs> is like, if there's like a piece of paper over there, I'm like, I can't do things. It's like anxiety inducing. So mm -hmm. I get it. For me, and exactly what you just touched on is if my outer space is cluttered, I feel like my mind is cluttered and I can't get yeah. to what's in my mind until the outer space is clear. Yes, that's definitely how my personality is too. I think probably all organizers feel that way. It's like things need to be in place in order for us to function. Mm -hmm. I think to some extent, everybody feels that way. Uh, people just express it very differently. Like on the one end of the spectrum, you could be very like, um, actually like obsessive compulsive about it. And on the other end, you have the creatives who are like, no, I need my mess to be out. Even in those instances, they still have like some sort of an order to their mess. Like they could still tell you exactly where to find their things. It just looks more jumbled. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think in general, everyone kind of is drawn to this idea of knowing exactly where your things are. Some people yeah. just have a harder time of making that a reality. Um, and that's where we come in. We also talk a lot about energy and like, I, I don't, I'll just tell you my exact thoughts, I guess. Oh. And people can take it or leave it. I believe because it is true that um, everything that exists is just energy. 
Um, and so when you walk into a space, the more things that are in that space, whether or not you can see them, they do have an energy that makes a space either feel more um, frantic or like super energetic or very minimal and calming, right? So that's the subconscious. You're feeling how much is existing around you versus uh, you know, a lack of that around you. And so when we start talking about energy in a space, if it's like, well, the energy of the space is off, it's because you have too many things in here. So by letting go of some of these things, you're literally sweeping out any of this bad energy, especially if the things that they're holding on to may be sentimental and not associated with a happy memory. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you don't want to store all of this negative energy um, in a space where you're trying to have things feel light and fresh and happy. Uh, so that's another approach like that. And that works with some clients and it doesn't with others. But a lot of times people understand that, like, I don't want to save something that has like bad juju. Like you only, you want to get rid of those things. And then it's also creating space for something new to come in. So Mm -hmm. it's okay to have these empty spaces. Like your bookcase doesn't need to be completely packed or like, um, I always tell people don't ever store anything like underneath your bed. You want fresh energy to be like sweeping around you and have spaces to go. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you're overcluttering your spaces and the energy can't move, that's when things start to feel really off. And everybody feels that when they walk into a space. So like you don't even want to have guests over and have them feel that way where they're like, oh, I just didn't really enjoy being in that environment. You want them to feel like, wow, it's so, you know, light and energetic and all of these things. And then, you know, the last part was like, we can always touch on the charities or like the upcycling of belongings that we, you know, go out of our way really to make sure that nothing that gets donated is just being like mindlessly given away. So we partner with a lot of local charities to make sure that whatever the item is, is going directly to somebody who can use it. Mm -hmm. So whether it's uh, a child living in a group home or in the foster care system or a women's shelter or a domestic violence shelter, like whatever the situation is, whatever their needs are, uh, we always make sure that like we're checking those charities and seeing exactly what they need. And then we deliver those items directly to the people who can use them. Uh, And then, you know, our very last resort is like things that we can't place directly with someone we'll take to like a Salvation Army or wherever. But I think, you know, it's helpful sometimes for people to know that their things are going to be loved again by somebody else. And it's never just going to be like thrown in the trash or, um, you know, it's not going into the ether. It's going to someone who needs it and who will be so appreciative that they now have this thing. Yes. I think that's a good point because I think a lot of people question the sustainability of like, I have these things, but I feel bad sending them to a landfill. So do I just hold on to them or like, I don't know where to donate them to? Yeah, we have a list on our website too uh, of all of our favorite charities to donate for like almost everything you can think of. And a lot of them are national organizations too. So I feel like that's a really good resource. Uh, But yes, I mean, I I think people do think about it sometimes that way. And for me, sustainability is one of our core values as a business which is why we found so many local charities to be able to rehome things that um, even if you drop them off at like a Goodwill kind of a donation center, they wouldn't be able to use them. 
Um, and that's the part that like, I really wouldn't be able to handle knowing that like so many things are just going to waste. And so we spend a lot of time on our days off sorting through donations and delivering them to the people who are going to use them again. So there are ways to be very sustainable about decluttering. Um, the easiest way is to stop buying things that we don't need. <laughs> that's where it should start. Um, and that's, you know, I always try to like sneak that into any organizing situation where it's like, you know, let's maybe be a little bit more conscious of how we're consuming things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's, that's just something that takes practice. Like I still, if I actually set foot in like a target, I mean, in two seconds, <laughs> I'd be like, I love this pillow. I love this photo frame. Look at this vase. It's so cute. And then I would have to be like super strict with myself and just be like, you don't actually need any of these things. None of them are going to improve your quality of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's pretty rare now that I look at something and I'm like, I must have this. <laughs> uh, but it's a struggle. Like it's, there's so many makers who are creating these things that are so lovely that you want to own them. You want to see it all the time, but it's not actually useful for you and you don't really have a place for it. And it's just going to like sit on a shelf. It becomes something else that is bringing energy into your home uh, and something else you have to clean. Or if you're moving something else you have to pack, <laughs> it's just a lot. Yeah. Um, for someone who's like, not totally into minimalism, like where they're like, I don't want to get rid of everything. I don't want my space to feel cold. How do you balance like, let's clear some space, but you can keep things as well? Yeah. Well, I think that's actually what my aesthetic is. Um, Our home is very warm. Uh, I'm like looking at my kitchen right now and like there's, it's not like completely clear counters. Like Mm -hmm. I like being able to see things that do make me happy Uh, so, and like, you know, I always have like books out and coffee table books and candles and all that kind of stuff. So I fully understand that. Uh, and most people don't truly want to be extremely minimal. Yeah. Uh, So we're just trying to find the right balance of like, what is the client's personal preference? And then how can we support them by maybe like reducing some of the visual clutter? Like, even if we're not getting rid of things, Maybe some things would be better suited like behind a door or in a basket, like just so you're not quite seeing everything that you own on full display. Uh, But some of it can be tucked away. Some of it can be displayed in a way that's really aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. So I think that's like our dream vibe would be a client who really wants to have like a warm, aesthetically pleasing home that's not very stark, but also not like overwhelming. Mm Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people live in spaces where they don't have a garage, an attic, a basement. Uh, they don't have adequate closet space. In those situations, what would you tell someone in like ways to be creative about how <laughs> you can declutter? Get rid of everything. <laughs> um, I mean, small spaces are tricky, but they make so many wonderful products these days that really help people fit more into a smaller space. I think the first step is always, I mean, it should always be like pare down to what you actually want. You don't want to be creating storage space for things that you don't know that you have or that you don't use and, you know, be very real with yourself. Like, I mean, do I need to own a pair of skis? Probably not. Like when was the last time I went skiing? So like, why would you store this big giant thing 
when it's like on the off chance that I do go, I could just rent it and not have to store it. So it's like, that's, I think a good place to start. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when you do have the things that you're actually using, you know, there's so many, like oftentimes we don't use the vertical space that's around us. Um, We just look at like, okay, all we have is like a media center, but like you could really do like bookcases all the way up to the ceiling Mm -hmm. uh, or in a bathroom. Like you can add a lot of shelving when you start looking at the walls as potential storage space. Uh, And then sometimes there's products that look like they should help you, but really they don't. Uh, Like I don't love the, you've probably seen them, like it's one hanger, but then you can fit like 10 pairs of pants like cascading down. I feel like it just ends up being as bulky as like if you just had 10 hangers next to each other. So that kind of stuff I don't love. The like things that you clamp over and it gives you like shelves that hang down. I also don't love those. I don't find that they've ever actually like made more space. Mm. Uh, Whereas like if you just have a standard sort of like apartment closet where it has like the one shelf and the one hanging rod. Yeah. You can go vertical above that by like stacking bins on those shelves Um, And just being sure that you're labeling what's in them, like put all of your big bulky sweaters and stuff out of season up, or if it's no longer beach season, like move bathing suits up, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Pare it down to what you actually want and then get very creative with your storage space. The container store always has like really interesting options too for like things you could mount on walls, inside cabinets. Uh, but I never recommend that people buy organizing products until they've gone through the act of like actually eliminating the things that they don't want first. I think sometimes people want to buy a bunch of baskets and hope that it will help them get organized, but that's very backwards. You need to pare down first and then buy a product for like the exact purpose that you need it for. That's a great tip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we always will walk into someone's house and they're like, I have all, the, I bought all these baskets for you guys. And we're like, oh, we actually, like when we went through and pared down things with you and then reconfigured your space a little bit, it turns out we actually don't need any products to keep us organized. Um, And that's always my favorite. Like it shouldn't cost you a lot of money um, to be able to think creatively about your space or come up with a solution. So that's usually our goal is to be like zero products. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have any go-tos that somebody who's listening is like, oh, I want to get organized, like like you said, bins, but maybe not, or like tips, like what are three things somebody could go do really quick to help their space? Basic rule for any space would be like, look at everything you have, get rid of everything that you don't need. Especially if it's like, um, let's take like a bathroom, for example. Okay. We would always pull everything out, put everything into categories, get rid of anything that has expired, and then get rid of anything that you know you're not actually going to use. And then you come up with like, and by that, I mean like, like hotel soap, right. Or like a hundred tiny shower caps. Like, unless we're actually using these things, they can be sent somewhere else. Uh, And then you look at like, how much space do I have? And like, what are the things that I need every single day? Let's prioritize space for those things. And then what are the things that I don't access every day? And let's give those like the less convenient spaces. So if you did that in every space of your home, you would find that it's a lot more functional because at your eye level and your reaching level, you have all of the things that you're using all of the time. And then in spaces where it's like maybe the shelf is a little too high or you need a step stool, like those can be things that are used once a month or once a year. Um, And so that's kind of how we set everything up. 
my favorite product for really any space is a turntable. Uh, they're just so great. If you have like one of those big funky corner cabinets in a yep. kitchen, you can put a turntable in there. Um, even a short cabinet, uh, like an upper cabinet in a kitchen, you can add a small turntable and they're amazing for like oils, vinegars, spices. Uh, I have like a little smoothie station that has like little supplements and little smoothie add-ons on a turntable. There's, I mean, you leave them out on the counter everywhere. They're just great. <laughs> I love that. So you kind of keep everything categorized. Yeah, always. So like my kitchen, I guess we have like, there's a coffee and tea station. Uh, I think the main goal of organizing for me is like, how can you make your life simpler? Uh, how can you spend less time thinking about where things are and where things go so that you can just like enjoy your life, not worrying about losing things or replacing things because you didn't know where to find it. So for me, like being able to wake up in the morning and know that like everything I need for coffee is right here. Mm -hmm. The coffee mugs, the coffee pot, the coffee, like the sugar, the cream, all the things, it's all in one area. Um, and then same, like there's a vitamin slash smoothie making station all in one area and it's right above where the blender is. Um, kids lunch packing stations. I just keep all the like food storage, their lunch boxes, everything is all in one place. So when it comes time now that they're actually going back to school, um, anything that you need for like storing leftovers or making a lunch for them, it's all in one space. Uh, and say like their rooms are the same, like they put their backpack in the same spot every day. So it's not getting lost. Uh, but I think that's kind of a game changer is when you just create a home for everything that you're going to hang on to, then it ends up saving you a lot of time and money in the long run because you know what you have, you know where to find it. And then it's easy to see like as things are running out uh, or if you need to replace something. Yeah. I love that because it's organized, but it's also efficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm yeah. all about efficiency. <laughs> I feel like we, like so many of us are these days trying to be like, how can I like do more with the time I have in ways that I want? And, yeah. and I think this is a perfect example of that. Yeah. I mean, I think the most important thing is having time for you to enjoy your life. Um, but I think as we take on more responsibilities, uh, of, you know, like running a business or becoming a parent or a spouse or what, there's just so many things that we do now. Um, even like just trying to keep up with people on social media or whatever, it's like, it can be really overwhelming when you look at how many responsibilities we have. Uh, and that's, you know, that's another really interesting area to look at like decluttering uh, where it's not really just for like your physical home, but also like your calendar, like, it's totally okay to say no to some things that you don't want to be doing with your time. Uh, or, you know, like a work meeting. I don't know how many work meetings I went to where I was like, I just a hundred percent do not need to be here. <laughs> like this is 30 minutes of my life that I could have spent doing literally anything else. Uh, That's a great yeah, point. All of those. Yeah. I think we hear about like declutter your, who you're following on Instagram and, but your time and your calendar and your schedule is a great it's point. So important. Yeah. Um, and even like your thoughts, I think this is why meditating is such a beautiful calming experience because you're giving yourself a few minutes of the day to simply not think as many thoughts as you are usually. And it has an overwhelmingly positive impact on your life and on your mental health. Uh, 
So I guess like I kind of look at all of these things like they happen in conjunction. Uh, your home gets organized, your time and your schedule gets organized. And at the same time, whether you were planning on it or not, also like your thoughts become a little more clear. Um, you get a little more clear on what it is that you want to bring into your life, what you want to keep there and what you don't want to keep there. Um, and then you wake up one day and you realize that like, you know, you've achieved composed living perfection. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really curious to know what systems you have in place in your own home. Like with what you just said, do you have morning routines or night routines to help keep organized? And and now I'm talking mentally, your physical environment, everything. Yeah. So yes, I definitely love a good routine. Uh, I'm much more like successful, I guess, with my morning routine. By nighttime, I kind of just give up, <laughs> which is terrible, but I'm, I'm working on it. My morning routine usually starts with like, I set an alarm so I wake up at the same time every day. Uh, and I'm not a morning person, so I really need an alarm to wake me up. I have like the worst combination of like insomnia, FOMO, I'm a mm -hmm. night owl by nature, but we also have three kids. And so it's like, I always want to stay up super late, but then I will never have any time to myself. So I wake up earlier than the rest of the household so that it's still quiet and I can um, have a coffee and do either like a mantra or a meditation for a few minutes. That to me um, really helps set the tone of the rest of my day. If I don't have a moment where it can just be me and some quiet, I get a little bit frazzled. I think I'm very introverted that way. So like I recharge um, in solitude, mm -hmm. whereas like my husband, I think recharges in um, community with people. <laughs> so I need to have a few minutes to get my own sanity handled for the day. And then I'm okay to be around people for the rest of the day. Uh, but it's usually like wake up, coffee, meditate, exercise. Um, because again, like if I don't exercise first thing in the morning, it will just absolutely not happen that day. Mm -hmm. um, and then I start my day. So whether that's going to physically work with a client or staying at home and like running the business side of things. Uh, and then I guess, you know, on the mornings that the kids are getting ready for school, that's, they're pretty self-sufficient now because they're older and like we've raised them with these routines. Mm -hmm. So they always know like they need to wake up at the same time every day. They have their chores, like a list of chores in their bedroom that they need to do before we leave for school. Um, but you know, it really helps to have kids be set up for success when you give them some organizing structure. Um, and we hold them accountable to it. So like if we walk into their room and it's like, why like this doesn't belong on the floor or like this needs to be hung up here. Like, why isn't this in your laundry basket? Like just teaching them constantly, uh, where to put things so that they always know where to find them, mm -hmm. um, is really helpful. And same like the house, the whole kitchen is set up for them to know exactly how to make breakfast on their own, right? It's like cereal is always in the cereal place. <laughs> like milk is always in the milk place. So we try to eliminate any of these moments that um, might bring chaos into the mornings. The refrigerator is literally labeled. It's nothing fancy. You could even do like scotch tape and a Sharpie pen, but so that they always know like this is where, you know, sparkling water is. This is where condiments go. Uh, 
And, you know, from the time that they've been able to read, I really do hold them accountable. If I open the fridge, I'm like, why, who would put ketchup where it says, you know, jam? <laughs> and it's like, yeah. why? And like, there isn't even a space for it. You just crammed it in there. And there's clearly a hole in the condiment section where the ketchup used to live. <laughs> so it's like making them come back and have this conversation with me to be like, let's not do this again, because... It's not benefiting anyone for you to just like go around haphazardly putting things wherever you feel like shoving them. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, eventually they learn. Yeah. I love Sometimes that you're longer. I love that you're teaching them this because I think it's setting them up to be efficient with their time later in life. Yeah, for sure. And that's, I mean, ultimately, like what parents, our biggest role is to make sure that your kids grow up to be like healthy, thriving adults. Uh, and, you know, I don't want them to be like the gross roommate to someone where it's like Absolutely. nobody wants to live with that person because they're like yes. so filthy. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, gotta look out for them. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be thanking you later. They'll be like, thank yeah, you so, so much, Mom. They're like future spouses will be like, oh, I'm so glad that. Absolutely. Yeah. If someone's stuck in a cycle of like, okay, they organize and then it's a mess and then they organize mm -hmm. and it's a mess. Do you have any tips for how you can stay consistent with your organization. Yes. So I think that's the same as like setting up a routine for your daily life. Organizing mm -hmm. is not like a one and done thing ever. Um, even organizers will tell you they go through their own home probably once or twice a year and put things back to exactly how they should be. Mm -hmm. uh, so just try not to get discouraged and remind yourself that like every day you should be spending a few minutes doing something that contributes to your organizing goal. Uh, so, you know, if the issue is your closet becomes really overrun, then just practice. Like um, one of my favorite tips for closet spaces is when you take something off of a hanger, put the empty hangers in one area all together. If you just always do that, you'll always know where your hangers are. And then when you put your laundry away, it's very easy. You just grab the empty hangers and then put things back where they go. Uh, so even if you just practice that one thing um, or when you are undressing in the evening, don't just throw your things on the floor, put them back where they go. Like that one simple change mm -hmm. that you really do have to practice every day like sometimes I'm too lazy. I'm like, no, it's staying on the floor. But then the first thing I do in the morning is like, okay, I can't handle this chaos. I have to move away <laughs> immediately. Uh, so not letting those things pile up, you know, they're very small changes that you practice doing every day. Um, and eventually it becomes a lifelong habit. And then that one particular thing just like is no longer an issue because, mm -hmm. you know, the minute your laundry is done, you're putting it away. The minute you're undressing in the evening, like one thing goes in the hamper, one thing gets hung up again, whatever, wherever it needs to go, it just goes back. And it takes way less time to do it that way than to walk in and be like, all my clothes are on the floor and I don't know what's laundry and I don't want to deal with this. Yeah. Do you suggest if somebody's like, I need to organize my whole house going room by room or yes. like a little here and there? Uh, no, it's space by space for okay. sure. Um, that can be really overwhelming. This is another thing that we have on our website is like a 30 days to clutter free living guide. Um, it's just a free download, but it breaks it out into very small tasks that can be done in like one hour or less over 30 mm -hmm. days that would eventually get you through your entire home. That's amazing. Uh, 
Yeah. And I do it for myself every January. We always film it and put it on Instagram just to be like, this is how we really live. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, the linen cabinet got a little crazy this year. (laughs) Let's like pare it down and do just that one thing today. It's very approachable uh, and it really does work. Amazing. I always say like, if you just start with the least sentimental and then work your way down, right? So like Mm -hmm. a junk drawer is a great place to start on day one Uh, or even like a medicine cabinet. Medicine cabinets are so easy. No one is sentimental about what's in their medicine cabinet or like first aid kit, whatever it is. Um, Closets are a little harder. That's a big project, right? It takes even a professional organizer. It'd be like two people for five or six hours probably. Mm -hmm. Uh, But closets can be fun if you're doing it with like a girlfriend or a partner. I always suggest like putting on like fun dance music, make a cocktail or a tea, like whatever your vibe is, and just do like silly fashion shows. Uh, When my kids were younger, I would sit there, like everybody would sit and I would try on all of the maybes and they would either give me thumbs up or thumbs down. Um, So like you can make it fun and interactive. It doesn't always need to be like serious business. I love that because uh-huh. I think it gets overwhelming or like daunting. Like, oh my God, I have to go clean my closet today. Yeah. yeah. So even in our 30 days to clutter-free challenge, we break closets down, I think, into like three or four days. So on day one, it's like you're only doing like socks and pajamas. That's so it's easy. like, okay, that's not a big deal. I can easily look at my socks and be like, these are gross. These don't have a partner. Let's organize the ones that remain. Um, and then day two might be like pants. <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. So you really kind of ease into it. And we break kitchens out in the same way where it's like, let's only look at your coffee mugs and bowls. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way it's not like you're taking apart your entire Every. kitchen. Yeah, it, that can be um, a really big daunting task. It's just so much more manageable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really like I want organizing should be accessible for everyone. Uh, And so we keep trying to come up with content that we can share with people that makes it like a really logical, simple approach. Okay. If there's one thing someone takes away from this episode, what would you want it to be? Oh my gosh. Just one thing. Or two. Uh, Like, I think, like I said, you know, just spending some time thinking about how you can be a more conscious consumer Um, even if it's just playing around with like the idea of when it's happening, Mm uh, you know, like if you're standing in line at target and you have your shopping cart full of all the beautiful things, just checking in with yourself, like get in the habit of being like, what am I feeling right now? Um, am I standing here because I was bored? Was I like on a sugar high? Am I buying all this stuff because I'm like hungry or I'm upset with someone like just, Try to find the emotional connection between how you consume things and even like how you keep things uh, and see if that has like an impact on your life. I think it's kind of like a fun game that I play with myself. Anytime I'm buying something, I'm like, why though? Why am I buying it? It doesn't always deter me from doing it, but it's interesting to see what's leading us um, to these places. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is uh, the moment you see something in your house if you realize that you don't want it, take it like in that instant and put it in a donation bin. Mm. Um, I keep one in our entryway. That's just like a basket. And then literally if the kids come out and they're like, Hey mom, the shirt doesn't fit me anymore. And then it's like, put it in the bin. Uh, and if you get in the habit of doing that, every time you see something that doesn't fit, doesn't work that you don't like, um, eventually you will have decluttered 
your space without even putting too much effort into it. Amazing. Okay. Where can everybody find you? Um, all the places. Our website is just composedliving.com. Um, Instagram is really our only social channel and it's just at composed underscore living. Um, but yeah, that's it. Our website has a ton of free content. There's free tutorials. There's a lot of stuff that we're launching in the next two months that's coming too. So we'll have video tutorials. Uh, we already have the guides that I mentioned up on there. Our blog content is always really great. Um, and it changes topics every month. Sign up for our newsletter and we get all sorts of fun, like it's just like a roundup of everything we've been working on for the month, but there's fun, like vlogs of actual client projects that we've done. So you can kind of start to see how an organizer's mind works. I think that content is really fun, but that's it. Amazing. I'll link yeah. everything in the show notes so everybody can check it out. Awesome. Thank you. So nice chatting with you. It was so nice chatting with you. Thank you so much for sharing with us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you to everyone who has continuously listened and supported this podcast. If you could take a second and rate, review, subscribe, send it to a friend, I would appreciate it more than you know. That's what keeps me able to bring these episodes to you. And I want to bring more of what you want to you. So please take the time to do that in between seasons. If there's episodes you need to catch up on, now is a great time. And I'm so excited to bring season two for you. Thank you for all the love and support for season one. Mwah.